This week on Pilot Co-Pilots, we have Stephen Conrad of Amazon's new series, Patriot, and discuss the young Pope with Billy Domino. Welcome to another episode of Pilot Co-Pilots, a podcast where we talk to TV industry guests and take you on a guided tour through the pilot of one of this season's newest shows. That's right. We treat each new series like tap water in a new city. I'll try it, but it doesn't mean I'm going to drink a whole glass, right? (laughs) It's a good rule of thumb. Yeah. I mean, you don't know what's in that stuff. Nope. Uh uh <laughs> I'm Van Watkins. And I'm Maya Boudreaux. And uh yeah, so Maya, this is our last episode being separate from each other. You're in Chicago, I'm in LA. I know. I'm so excited to be there. Yeah, it, it it'll make uh recording a lot easier. That's the we'll... only reason I'm moving. Also. Yes, yes. Uh just for better uh sound, sound quality. quality. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really committed. <laughs> Um, so as we mentioned this episode, we will be discussing HBO's The Young Pope with Family Guy writer Billy Domino. And it's it's a very serious discussion, really. Yeah. The, you know, theology and um, really like it's just a really political conversation. Yeah. So. And also be excited because Billy, he brings along a really special treat for us all. So yes. stay tuned for yeah. that. <laughs> Uh, and then uh, after that, we have Stephen Conrad. He's the creator of the new show Patriot uh, on Amazon, uh, which they're going to roll out, you know, the whole season streaming on February 24th. So keep your eye out for that. Yeah, I can't wait. But the pilot is up now. So, right, you know, right. go ahead. Check that out. It's it's great. Yeah, it's a really fun, weird, good pilot. So, yes. yeah. Well, should we get to it? Let's do it. All right. Here we go. Right. Uh, we are here with Billy Domino uh, to discuss the young Pope. Uh, thanks so much for being with us, Billy. Of course. Thank you for yeah, having me. I'm you. very, very excited to Pope it out right now. Uh, you yeah. might know Billy from uh, a viral uh, script he wrote, a spec script, the 9-11 Seinfeld spec, which is the funniest thing. So hilarious. Thank you. I don't think that first part's like technically true, but like <laughs> there are funnier, more succinct things. There are things that are funnier by the pound, but thank oh, you. Don't I be appreciate modest. the sentiment. And he's also a writer for Family Guy uh, and a member of Gentleman Party um, who we've had, you know, Anna Dresden on. We've had Andrew I Farmer, know. Mike Spence. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Sounds to me that you've had on Mike Spence. I, I hate giving him anything that validates his, you know, intellect or life choices, but you know. Yeah. Um, it, well, it was a terrible episode. The so. important thing is I'm here. <laughs> Um, so guys, uh, I'm going to read the logline here for the young Pope. Okay. Is this the we'll official t- logline? This, this is from, I think, Metacritic or something. All right. Okay. Um, newly named Pope Pius Thirteenth, Lenny Ballardo, Jude Law, grapples with the inner workings of the Vatican and comes into conflict with Cardinal Viello, who, who thought the 47-year-old would be more uh, biddable than another cardinal. Instead, Lenny has his own ideas and prefers seeking advice from Sister Mary, Diane Keaton, who raised him at the orphanage. I mean, that seems like a pretty... That's a show I watched. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) I cannot deny it. Yeah. (laughs) So, boy... Billy, I know you've been waiting for this one. I've been excited for The Young Pope. I was watching, I think, what was it, the premiere of Westworld when we all found out about Young Pope for the first time. They had sure. the ad for yes. it. And I immediately started, as soon as the title came on the screen, I literally screamed. <laughs> like, all right, we're just, we're just calling the show Young, The Young Pope now. We're just giving it all away. 
and I've you know been waiting with bated breath ever yeah. since. I mean, they 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 weren't hiding anything from us. It's no. literally no. what what it's about. No, the only thing they were hiding and. Yeah, like I think I think you know we're all like okay, forty-seven. He could have been younger. Like sure, like sure. certainly you know a sixty-five-year-old pope. No one's gonna snuff out like that's you know that's yeah. typical. But I think when you say young pope, I think we were all wondering like, could we get sub forty? But can then again, we get? yeah, exactly. How young can you pope? Like and, <laughs> <laughs> but you know that said, I'm sure forty-seven is about Jude Law's age. Do we know how old Jude Law is? Uh, I must say, probably around to me. I yeah. honestly thought he looked great. I was like 47. He looks young for 47. Um, mm-hmm. and, and there were points where I was just like, man, he's just so handsome. And sometimes Jude Law, if he doesn't move, he looks like the Madame Classic. Tussauds <laughs> version of himself. He has yeah. this. He has a particularly shiny complexion almost always. And especially because he's got that receding hairline that he's had since he was like 25 and it, he wears it well for one, uh, particularly like there's a naked picture of him out there somewhere. Like, you know, I think it's oh, him in his where? apartment. Click, at, click, like, click, click, Google, click, you can definitely find naked Jude Law. Okay. And it's just like, you know, like I, from what I remember, it's just like, you know, nothing special, you know, average dick. Like, but like <laughs> it's and also just reaching him. But it's like all together. It's just like, yes, this is a this is an attractive man. There's there's a lot of pack here. But. I've, I digress. Point being, he's got that receding hairline, which is always naturally oily as a scalp is. I think that like is dripping down onto his face to give him this constant sheen, sheen. and this very even, slight glow. Yeah. So it's almost and and it, his hair is so perfect in this that I was I, like, yeah. at some points, I thought, is that a wig? And I think this about well, everyone I, always I when I'm enhanced, watching TV. I think I think they enhanced the hairline. I don't think that. I think they gave him a little help with the hairline. Help bring it forward or back to make him an older young pope. Not the placement of the hairline. I think just the thickness of the hair itself. I think that there's the definition. Some, yes, the definition of the hairline. Yeah, because there's like no. It's like there's, no, there's no little stray hairs. Nothing. Yeah, it's it's amazing. Mm-hmm. And that I mean, and it fits with the character. Me, someone who's very much in control of his image, as mm-hmm. you know, we we've, we've learned from day one. So uh, he would not want any hairs where he would not want them. He yeah. controls oh. the hairs. Yeah. You got a cool text just now? I did. <laughs> Maya, what's going on over there? Should I hop? Should I, I you know, know, absolutely berate you the, for this for the rest of the interview? I don't know what an 888 number is, but they just left me a voicemail. So it, oh, Maya's in Chicago, we should mention. We're in LA, oh, so. yeah, that local area code for Chicago, 888. <laughs> don't you love that Goose Island beer, the 888? <laughs> Let's, I mean... First off, what'd you guys think? Let's let's just kind of talk. I mean, now we got to go into the show. Yeah. Not just, uh, I mean, I could talk about Jude Law's appearance probably for a while, but yeah. um, I'll, well, I'll start here. I'll admit. So I fucked up. <laughs> I just started, I like went online to watch it and oh, I no. pressed play and I watched about three fourths of the second episode thinking it was the pilot. You little fuck. <laughs> And I'll be honest, it wasn't a bad pilot. <laughs> no, like no, I, I, I also imagine. watched episode two last night, and it it you know you can fall into it very quickly. You yeah. get what's going on, but yeah, but watch the pilot. Yeah. Oh, I did, I did, I did. After I stopped it, and then I went back and watched the pilot. But I was disappointed because I I, I already knew too much about the character going into the pilot, so that that was a little disappointing. So yeah. I apologize, guys. 
No, um, I mean, so the pilot starts with, I thought, a pretty, pretty great dream sequence um, where he basically addresses uh, uh, the Vatican. His uh, first in, homily. Uh, yeah. And um, and just lets, lets it rip. Yeah. Um, Real liberal. It's a multi-part dream sequence, too. We have a dream within a dream. He, there's an inception thing. Like, we initially, okay, we know we're in a dream initially, and then we think we've woken up. And then once he starts talking, we're like, this doesn't seem quite yeah. right. They're giving away a lot for the opening scene, and then we get to reality again. Mm-hmm. I want to play a little game really quickly. What was everyone's favorite, like, moment from, like, little snippet from that dream sequence? Or I, either one, you know, combine it all to one dream Ugh. sequence, because I have something very definite in mind. We're going to My... say on the count of three. Okay, ready? Just for... <laughs> all right, so, yeah. One, two, three. The water oh, cooler. <laughs> all right. Maya, what was yours? The Havainas that, the he Havai- slipped, that he slipped on, those flip-flops. Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> what, that's white, a brand? Very casual. Yeah. Yeah. It's a They're very pretty much cheap, but cheap, very yeah. recognizable flip-flop. Is and yet with, they worked with his outfit. Is, is that spelled with an H or a J? H. H? Like, is, like boar? Like Havalina boar? No, Havaina. Havaina. Okay, mm. so it's, we're not talking about a wild pick. Okay. No. <laughs> yeah, he's a guy who wears flip flops, and we can respect that. You know, he, he's worried about fungus oh, in the shower. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I love the water cooler that pops up in the middle of the room for no reason. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, like, if we want to just think, like, at that point, we're wondering, like, is this a very literal, like, he's thirsty, you know, because he seems to be sweating, maybe a little feverish? Like, is that Osses? Is it some much bigger image that is going to be explored later on in the first season mm-hmm. at some point or later on in the series? Yeah. Oh, I, I don't thought know, it was holy like, water. Some... Oh, was it holy water? Interesting. That's what like, so... <laughs> okay, I mean, it's open to interpretation, like any good image, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I-, I was still reeling a bit from the fact that I was, oh, I, f- I fucked this up for myself. So really, I mean, the baby butt. Really, it was so cute that baby. It also, that baby really had quite cute. a butt on it. It was cute. Yeah, well, we so, saw it. We saw Pope butt after that. We saw his true. Butt. I, you know what? I was wondering how long that would take, and it didn't take long. Mm-hmm. Nope. What do we What do we make of the of the baby stack? He's so young. <laughs> oh, and he's an orphan. <laughs> and he's an. That's orphan. what I was eventually going. He made with. it out. Yeah, he's like, the one who made it out. Oh, exactly, good. a combination of orphans, like, and also maybe these are like unbaptized babies in purgatory or something. Maybe it's like explicitly say like sure. not only is an orphan, but like he's a bastard too, like yeah, something like that. I don't know. I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad you guys are here to uh, help me through this because it was a weird. Evan did not watch the episode. It's becoming so abundantly clear. <laughs> no, I did, but then I had the second one in my mind the whole time. I probably, I probably got them mixed up too. So Billy mm-hmm. has done us the extreme pleasure of writing before he watched the episode. Mm-hmm. I asked him to write a scene uh, that he thought would be in this episode, uh, the pilot episode of the Young Pope, uh, which he so graciously did, and uh, w- I'd love to read it right now yeah let me just say going into it and like just to frame this this is based on you know my understanding the series based on half a trailer and just the title young pope and knowing that they were you know clearly gonna make make a lot of great stuff happen so also at the time i didn't realize that pardon me jude law was going to be uh in 
uh, it'd be played American. I assume oh. he'd be Jude Lawing it, you know. So I will read this in a British Jude Law voice because <laughs> okay, good. that's that's you know Even that's better. the intent it was written with. All right, I, I, I'm going to read stage direction. Uh, Maya will be playing a Sister Mary. Diane Keaton. Yeah, to be clear, for the sake of this, since it was written before, and I, I'd like her referred to as Diane Keaton. That's how it's okay. written in here. I, I, it, this is written as Diane Keaton and the and the young Pope. Oh, okay. There are no character names besides no, that. She's <laughs> Diane Keaton. Yeah. All right. So interpret freely. Sure, sure, sure. All right. Here we go. Interior Sistine Chapel day. Diane Keaton walks through the rafters. The Sistine Chapel choir sings below. She turns a corner and finds the young Pope sitting, legs dangling off the catwalk, smoking a cigarette. His back to her, but he senses. They're pretty, aren't they? I checked the chapel logs. You haven't prayed in weeks. Prayer, prayer. So boring. He takes a long drag and then flicks his cigarette to the floor below. He stands and approaches Diane Keaton. What does a Pope pray for, hmm? Money? Have that. Women? The young Pope runs his hand along Diane Keaton's cheek. She flinches. Not supposed to, but again, no trouble there. Power, then. Mmm. Power. What a thought that would be. (laughs) A Pope prays for the people. He prays for peace. Only God has power. Ah! God! That funny little word again! The young Pope lights another cigarette. Tell me, if God is so powerful... The young Pope pulls a magnum pistol from his waistband and points it down towards the choir. A laser sight zeroes in on the forehead of an unwitting boy. Could he save that boy? The young Pope pulls the gun to Diane Keaton's temple and cocks the hammer. He whispers, Could he save you? Diane Keaton trembles and grabs for her rosary. The young Pope's fingers tighten around the trigger. Hell has room enough for us all. A door opens at the other end of the catwalk. The young Pope hides his gun and acts normal. Ah, thank you, sister. I'll be sure to keep those burn victims in my prayers. The young Pope and Diane Keaton are approached by an immensely attractive young man and woman. Perhaps twins both wearing robes. They brush past her and stand behind the young pope, dropping their robes to reveal their naked bodies. They begin to fondle and kiss the young pope. Care to join? Diane Keaton turns in disgust and starts to leave. The young pope calls after her. Did you know there was a pope younger than me once? She stops. I did. The young pope produces a picture of this younger pope. John the Twelfth. 10th century, 18, maybe 19 years old, depending on the records. Widely considered the worst pope of all time. The young pope puts his cigarette out through the face in the picture. Let's see if we can't do a little better. Diane Keaton walks off and slams the door as the young pope and twins indulge in their primitive flesh. Scene. Oh my god. That all happened. Honestly, I'd watch that show too, for sure. <laughs> it was I just think if you're gonna be a <laughs> if you're gonna be a young pope, be a young pope. Like and whatever that means to you. Be your youngest popist <laughs> self. <laughs> well you really picked up on just from the trailer on how important cigarettes are to him. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's true, yeah. I'd say, what, if we if we know ten characters well at this point, seven of them smoke? <laughs> Maybe it's an Italian thing. I don't know. So let's, uh, what are some other um, kind of uh, key moments of this episode that really uh, struck your fancy or hit so, with you guys? I don't know about you guys, but I loved the score. I thought it was really, really subtle, but good and kind of lo-fi. And so I, I don't know. I I, checked, I looked up who the who the guy is who, mm-hmm. who scored it. And um, yeah, good. And he was just talking about how he. How did he? Just, hold on, I'm looking up the the quote he had here. He said, "My intention was to." Oh shoot! Hold on. Well, I'll have to, I'll say while you're looking that up. Yeah, yeah. I found it really kind of, it kept it contemporary. Like there were a couple points where it had like almost even like a Sufjan Stevens vibe mm-hmm. that made it just move more for me. I mean, there was still kind of like a uh, a sense of like classical, um, but right. then a little bit more, you know, of that younger vibe too, which I appreciate. Yeah. He said that he not only composed for it, but he also used, he also used, uh, pieces from Andrew Bird, Jefferson Airplane, ah. Jeff Buckley, and LMFAO. Yeah. That's how, I mean, that's what a I young mean, pup would listen to. <laughs> that's what he would listen to. Yeah. I definitely, I picked up on the Sufjan. There were moments where it was even felt like a little like Mark Mothersbaugh to me, like a little bit, and like specifically like yeah. almost like Devo-esque. Like mm-hmm. there was some yeah, moment yeah. that like very much, I would just, all I could think of was the Inception. Bwah, bwah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like they definitely... Yeah. There's a lot of dissonance being thrown around there intentionally. Yeah. Uh, now, also, I think we have to mention this. This Pope is so young. Guess what he drinks for breakfast, guys? Count of three. One, <laughs> two, three. Cherry, Cherry Coke, Coke Zero. zero. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. That really helped put me in the place. I needed to. <laughs> First of all, like. One, didn't know... Well, I guess I've seen Cherry Cokes here in a bodega, but it's not a common thing. <laughs> yeah, I also, very specific. I have to assume they already had a case there for the cardinal, for the College of Cardinals, for the Conclave. Yeah, sure. like, for, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Because otherwise, like, yeah, they're going out to get for him when he requested a breakfast before he scolds <laughs> that poor old woman. Yeah. Uh, this is no, where we I really learned that, that I, he's... I did not like that at all. You didn't like the scolding, or you didn't like the the familiar relationship she was. Uh, pre- no, I didn't like the boldness of just. First of all, we just talked about how moisturized he is, and then she's going to put his hand, her hands, all over him. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's the Pope. Oh, so you agree with him? You're like, yes, don't touch and I me. Like what I'm he beautiful. Said about, <laughs> yes, I like what he said about delineating between friendly and formal relationships. I really thought that was a good point. This is I, how you live your life, Maya. Well, I the last thing I wrote when I was wrapping up the episode is I said he really makes me feel like maybe a girl like me can grow up to be pope. <laughs> that is so true. Like all you have to do is from like is have parents who abandoned you on a nun's doorstep, possibly in Italy. It's unclear where this uh, orphan. Well, no, I guess by the end we figured out we are clear that it is in America, but it feels weird that it's in America. But two, and then you just have to from 
that day forward, work to suppress every natural human mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. outgoing emotion that you have in order to control your you know emotions and control your persona so that you can eventually wreak havoc and control the world. Though at the same time, <laughs> the sense I got from this character was he's not having a struggle controlling these feelings. No. He has feelings because uh, you see them come out a couple times, but this is the way he likes to be. You yes. know, he is... He is, he's a medieval tyrant, sort of, and he's, he's capable of doing that. You know what I mean? And just kind of unflinching, and I appreciate that about him. I mean, he's working in a strong tradition. He's not, he's not, you know, like Pope Francis who's going like, new name, I'm gonna, I'm the first. Pius the 13th, willing to take on 13, willing to go with the the worst of all pope names you know just that like all right it's like we get it yep you're not gonna be much fun to be around and so but like yeah he's he's definitely knows what he wants yeah Mm -hmm. but i think that that will that i think that's we're gonna find what his kryptonite is i mean i I mean oh for sure yeah and i think that's why i want to keep watching obviously because it's natural sugar and soda yeah (laughs) true True. Although, you know what? I would also hey, not boobs. mind watching him just not be challenged at all or not not find a weakness, but they're trying to challenge him, but him just winning and turning into this monster. I'd watch that show too. You're fine with this just being a show about Pope Benedict, like, you know, just like, <laughs> all right, we're watching from the outside and I uh, can't do anything. Oh, nope. He doesn't want to be nice to anyone. Nope. Great. We're just yep. going to have that scowl. Fantastic. See, you know, <laughs> see you when you retire for no reason. And him just crush everyone. Now- you both were raised Catholic, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, as as Catholic, how did this speak to you? Uh, it made me horny. <laughs> yeah, expand on that because I think we're all feeling that on some level. I, but yeah, I I have yet to put the proper words to it. <laughs> My word was horny. I guess I don't know. It just is there. There's something very taboo and sensual about the Vatican, and I think it's really it. The show really captures it. I don't know. I don't quite know why, and I don't quite know how, but I know. Yeah, there's definitely something in the air. Yeah, I mean, it's rare <laughs> that you can ever incense. look across a room of people, you know, full-grown adults, and just say, you know, en masse, none of you have fucked. Like, and you're all thinking about it. And yeah, they definitely Maybe have, like... They definitely have ones that are more, you know, overt. You've got the Secretary of State who's idolizing the uh, the prehistoric, you know, yeah. statue. It of- just sort of looks mm-hmm. like a like a like a, a weird turn up. I've seen that before. <laughs> Apparently, like it's not important because it's the very first representation of like a vulva in any <laughs> art that's ever been found. It's at least the oldest representation of a vulva that's ever been found. Ah. So and so, I think it's so. It's so important that we say vulva and not vagina because, you know, I, I just, you know, yeah. that's, we're entering a new Thank age you. of, you know, of language being manipulated. So, like, let's, right. let, I think we can start there. You know, that's, yeah. vagina is not outside. Yeah. And, and speaking of which, we're, we're recording this. Speaking of a maniacal tyrant, we're, spe- we're speaking on the eve of, uh, of the inauguration. So, mm-hmm. oh boy, here we go, young Pope. I know. <laughs> I mean, I'm just, it's so disappointing because I'm such a Pence head. And it's just, I'm so sad he's paired up with Trump for this one. But, like, I love rural Indiana Indiana AIDS. Like, I think that's yeah. something that needs to be supported. And going forward, we, it can be modeled for the entire nation. If you have a problem, just push it aside because dealing with it, you know, goes against your very black and white moral view of the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, I, I, I did. I prepared a little game. I don't know if you guys want to play. Yeah. But a small game. <laughs> Let me pull it up here. So um, this is who said it. And this is because, oh, by the way, this show has already aired abroad. Mm-hmm. It started like in October abroad. So I was able to look up quite a few uh, young Pope quotes. And this is who said it, the young Pope or Donald J. Trump? So we're looking. So these are ones that we haven't necessarily seen in episodes yet. So Maybe you have, maybe you haven't. Spoiler alert. Out of context, spoiler alert. Yeah. All right. So first one, Donald J. Trump or the young Pope? I know I'm incredibly handsome, but please, let's try to forget about that. What do you guys think? Oh, I'm going with uh, young Pope. Maya? Yeah, I'm going to say young Pope, too. That is the young Pope, in fact. Okay. Incredibly is far too complex a word for Donald Trump. It's true. <laughs> he sticks to very. That was actually the hardest thing I'm about I'm so very such <laughs> a handsome so man. <laughs> I was like, oh, that one's too, that one has too many big words or is too poetic. People are talking me. about how, how handsome I are. And people are saying these things. I'm not saying them. <laughs> All right, here's the next one. I've never seen a thin person drinking Diet Coke. Young Pope or Donald Trump? Oh, wow. I'm going with Donald Trump. Um, well, it's confusing because we know he does like Coke. But he's... I'm going to say Trump, too. That is Trump. Yes, that is Trump. All right. I don't care about anything. I don't care about your opinions. Or if I'm up to the task. Or if I'm not an outsider or a long shot. I don't care if you think I'm weak or a scoundrel. Scoundrel's way Scoundrel, too big for Donald no. Trump. Absolutely. <laughs> ab- absolutely has to be young Pope. <laughs> Such a giveaway. Man, this game sucks. <laughs> well, I mean, like, that's... No, it's impressive. Have... really close, but it's just, you know, <laughs> the language, you know? And, like, the only giveaway is, ultimately, Donald Trump is a fucking moron. It's not <laughs> your fault. This is yeah. it's impossible. You've, we've seen, like, games like this on the internet. Like, who yeah. said it? Trump or, like, some horrible person. It's just like, fuck, what do you want to do? Yeah. Like, he has no words. I tried to find the simplest ones, too. Scoundrel. Okay, I got more, though. Criminal organizations are faster because they don't forgive inefficiency. He would have inefficiency. Um, Give me a sec. Say it to me one more time. Criminal organizations are faster because they don't forgive inefficiency. Forgive and inefficiency in the same sense. I'm going young Pope. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, that's too complex. Uh, All right. You know, it really doesn't matter what the media write as long as you've got a young and beautiful piece of ass. Trump. I'll also go Trump. That was Trump. All right, you guys win. Did we we ace it? Yeah, I think you aced it. We had the best test. Such good tests. You you won't believe. Uh, Well... (laughs) Oh god, I'm just gonna cut that, I guess. No. <laughs> I have a question. Is this gonna be now it's gonna be one of those podcast things where it's like you say, like, I'm gonna cut it and now that people are listening. Like, he didn't cut it. I'm this is a private yeah. moment. We'll yeah. see, we'll see. You've already admitted to me you're a very lazy editor. Let me see so. how we're doing on time. So yeah, I, I, I don't like editing, so um, um What are you guys no, doing I... later? <laughs> just this, editing this. Yeah, yeah. Oh, nice. Awesome. Wanna get it out, you know, around episode three and four. Oh, by the way, this show is on Sunday and Monday nights, which is why I was so confused. That's happening every week? At least it happened last week. Yeah. Oh, I, no, I think they do I'm that not actually sometimes sure. for new shows. They show the first okay. two right right away. I don't know. 
Yeah, gotcha. it used to be like a more common thing with like network primetime stuff. They'd block out an hour so they could do a back-to-back episodes one and two. Like, yeah. But I think Taboo may have just also, because I just start, I watched the pilot and oh. the second episode for Taboo last night. And that, I think they must have bumped up the second episode. How do you think that adaptation was? I'm assuming that's the Boy George Rosie O'Donnell musical. From exactly. Yeah. yeah, and yeah, Tom and Hardy it, good. It's that <laughs> combined with the show Taboo from Nat, the Nat Geo Channel, oh, where great. they talk about like neck rings <laughs> and like and and like ear stretching, Sounds ear cool. gauges. Yeah, so it's like yeah, it's Boy George just you know <laughs> pull tugging on his scrotum to make it ceremonially large. Yeah. Uh, it's surprising that he he has that going. He's on uh, the new Celebrity Apprentice. Yeah, I see that he was on Ladies of London. They were talking about him recently. Mm-hmm. He's really having a resurgence. Yeah. Absolutely, like it's a big time for Boy George, and also, yeah, also a big time for Rosie O'Donnell, who's going to have four years of being occasionally uh, a Trump punchline. Oh boy, I almost put a Rosie O'Donnell quote in that, but I knew that immediately we'd know. Like I said, I'm a Pence head. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, uh, as far as this show goes, I think it was really nice looking. You know, very pretty show. This guy, uh, the the creator and director, his name is Paolo Sorrentino, mm-hmm. and I, he's Italian. And I've I don't think I've ever seen anything he's done. But it, it, I think twenty thirteen, uh, he won an Oscar and Golden Globe for a best foreign language film for The Great Beauty, mm-hmm. also La Grande Beleza. Um, which I had seen. I don't know. Yeah, there. The cinematography is very. I'm especially one of the things I'm really interested to see how they keep working with them is sight lines. They're very intentionally messing with your perception of where people are looking mm-hmm. and whether you know and mm-hmm. where people are in rooms. Like one of the very first scenes, yeah. they have four cardinals talking out in a garden about, hey, "What do you think of the election? This new pope." They intentionally break the hundred eighty degree rule in that. Was his was that mole real? It could not have been. No, I don't know because I read her. I, I read her review it. and it mentioned his mole in a way <sighs> that I was like, "Oh, it's a fake mole." I'm feeling to be clear. We're talking the S- Secretary of State Cardinal, begin with the V or something. Viello, not yeah. Valviello, not Volva. Uh, and he, <laughs> he loves the Volva. He has a big, you know, nickel-sized mole yeah. on his left cheek. I think they could have ver- made it smaller. It was very upsetting and distracting. Yeah, I have to. I liked it. I have to imagine it's fake because, like, you at some like point, it? a doctor's a doctor's going to take off a mole like that and eventually say, "Look, it's probably fine, yeah. but like, we don't want it. It's it's right there. Let's just take it off and not risk it." Yeah, I, I went to the doctor like a year ago, and uh, he was checking out my bod, and uh, he 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 was like, "How's this mole on your back?" And I said, "Oh, it's fine." He's like, "Oh, does it ever hurt?" I said, no. And he's like, okay, well, then we don't need to worry about it until it starts snagging on sweaters and things. Sure. I've actually got, like, I don't know if, what is the technical definition of a mole? Is is a mole always raised? Is it otherwise, like, a freckle or a birthmark if it's flat? I don't know. I feel like you can, if you have a, I feel like you can have a mole that's not raised. Yeah. Long as long as it's big and dark enough. Yeah. We're going to add an element to this podcast right now, a whole new thing. We're going to go ahead and do a skin tan check. There's a mole on my chest that (laughs) I've been worried about. Okay. Like, or at least feel the, not worried, I feel the need to ask about next time I'm at a doctor. So I'm going to have Evan check it out right now. Let's see if we can find it. (laughs) It is, it's this one right here. Come over so you can see like, yeah, in the light. Yeah. Um, Just like, and what I don't like about it is one, uh, it feels bigger. And two, it's got irregular edges. Yeah, but I have a couple like that. And, okay. you know, I, I, would, I would say 
you know, I, I'm always a little scared. One time I have I have one kind of similar on the bottom of my foot mm-hmm. that has irregular edges and kind of fades out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my, my brothers, when they were cruel when I was young, were like, that's cancerous. Ooh. And so then I, I got scared. But the cruel brothers is that that's also that's a sister piece to the young pope. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. He does have a brother in this, too, but by the way. Well, yeah, a spiritual brother, a, like. Well, a lot of spiritual brothers. True. <laughs> but like uh, uh, Diane Keaton adopted a brother, which we didn't. Wait, oh, no, this is... I didn't get, get there yet. That's episode Everyone shut the fuck up. All right. Never mind. <laughs> um, see, this is this Come is the problem. With, this is the problem with me uh, fucking up. Uh, Don't but... worry. It's not a giveaway. Once we're on episode two, it's the first like two minutes. Of yeah, it. that's the, the beginning. Um, but we should also mention, I mean, everyone else is Italian in this. Mm hmm. Uh, except for James Cromwell plays sort of his uh, was his his mentor essentially. How do we tell the difference between James Cromwell and William Hurt? When this comes up, how do we know for uh, sure? Oh, see, uh, I think also sometimes Ed Begley Jr. No, that's I mean, like he, especially if you're on the William Hurt side of things, then you can yeah. see it. You're not going to confuse James Cromwell for Ed Begley Jr. or vice versa, but either could be William Hurt. Uh, true, very true. Well, yeah, I, I, was I think maybe my very first crush. Of all time. From what him movie? And pa- him and Pat Sajak. From what movie? Okay. The Big so Chill. Un- from the same movie. Okay, from The Big Chill. There's a lot to unpack here, yeah. And William Hurt is, he's in Body Heat, right? Has everyone seen he, Body Heat? He no. is Body Heat's a phenomenal Heat. movie. He's in Body Heat. He's also I in a movie called The Doctor, which is great. I know my dad owns and about uh, 20 copies of the Body Heat DVD, but that's... That, that's Take him up on one of those. It's a, it's a, it's nice neo-noir, uh, and it's one of the last times you get to see Mickey Rourke with a real face. Oh. And you understand <laughs> what the rage was about. Sure. Oh, yeah. yeah. Diner. Oof. There it is. <laughs> James Cro- is it James Cromwell William Hurt, who is like 6'10"? One of them's massive. I think, I I think, think it's maybe Cromwell. both, but definitely no, Cromwell. Hurt's not that tall. Cromwell Although was Cromwell... dad and pig. Yeah, but Cromwell pig. just looks he was tall. The dad and he pig. just looks tall because Babe was so short. <laughs> he, was <the> dad. <laughs> he was the dad in pig. Unpack that for a moment, everyone listening. Uh, you guys know pig, right? <laughs> Boy. Okay. So we do get we do get a second uh, second season of this though. Oh. Oh yeah. Yeah, I think they've already, at least on Wikipedia, it says they're making a second season. And why not? Like, I mean, like, overall takes on it, like, I love this show already. I'm so on board for our crazy, ridiculous night soap. Yeah, and it is. It's weird, and that's what I appreciate about it. It, uh, it at this, I don't think it takes itself too seriously. At the same time, as like the stakes are high, and like it's, you know, I mean, it's the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. It's having it fun with with what's yeah. going on, which I appreciate. Um, yeah. So, are you? I mean, I feel like I'm uh, Billy. You're gonna watch it. I'm more, watching much more. Oh, for sure. I, need my I young can't pope. wait to watch more. Yeah. No, and like especially we started talking about the story, but the whole like sort of sexual nature of it i mean like these are a bunch of people i'm sure there's going to be affairs in the show you know that where priests are fucking you know women or other priests or things oh, like yeah. that like you're definitely going to have that but at the same time it's like you're gonna have plenty of people who won't be fucking and they need some other form of release so they're going to pursue thing you know they're going to sexualize and fetishize you know yeah power and positions and things like that and it's going to get real erotic for like for things that are not erotic think we're gonna see jude law's dick i mean it's as i said it's out there um it's uh, i mean you you clearly just googled it it, so i mean he might as well just show it 
You've seen it. It doesn't do... Like, it's something that's just like... I'm sure, like, he's he's an actor. Like, he's he's going to show his dick if he needs to show his dick. He's not Michael Fassbender where he's going to go out of his way to show yeah. that dick. He's not he's not sporting a Fassbender. Uh, <laughs> it'll be an up-the-robe shot, you think? Oh, like... <laughs> you, you Or, like, sack from behind. <laughs> yeah, like someone... Yeah. yeah. Someone who, as he's walking through St. Peter's, upskirts him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, he was up in the rafters in your scenes. So exactly. I mean, there are different. There are ways to get at that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm excited for this. And uh, well, I guess that. Uh, thank you so much for for talking about it us er, er, with us, Billy. Thank you for giving me an outlet. I've, I have a lot of young pope <laughs> thoughts, and I just it's about time that you know I, I'm allowed to come out and share my feelings and let people know that it's okay to be a pence head and say vulva. Yeah. Well, when we when we post this online, I'm I'm going to expect you to just keep writing uh your thoughts about Young Pope like in the comments on Facebook of yeah. the actual episode. Yeah. I'm going to I mean, I'll have many thoughts like this is <laughs> this is a, this is a show that has the wheels turning for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's yeah, a, exactly. it's a great time to be inside my head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pence head. Yeah. Uh all right. You have anything you want to plug? You promote anything like that? I don't know. Like follow me on Twitter and you know and Instagram. Instagram is at moms for soda in public schools. So you know been uh, been getting a lot of rage out uh, through tweets and through Instagram lately. So, yeah. you know, so that's probably one of my favorite Twitter accounts. So. Oh, thank you very much. And uh, I mean, yeah. And there's a little show called Family Guy. It you know it airs Sundays on Fox. And um, yeah, Fox is an upstart network, and it's just an exciting time to. Uh, see you know whether it makes it or not yeah comedy yeah um i would uh it we're exploring big themes uh so we would i'd never want to put ourselves you know in a box i mean like you know when sure sure sure, yeah so i get it it. exactly we'll see how it pans out all right well thanks so much billy and uh maya thanks for getting on here remotely it wasn't a problem hey that's the answer you're looking for Thank you so much for doing this favor. It wasn't much of a favor. I could, I didn't go out of my way. You guys are in it for the long haul. I, I see good things for both of you. Oh, oh, how kind. The podcast. I hope you mean. No, I'm just talking about relationship wise. Oh, I think well, you know okay. this. I, I this podcast could, yeah. could crash. This or burn. is probably anyway, the last. Episode. It needs the young pope's blessing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks again, guys. Thank you. Bye. All right, we're here with Stephen Conrad, uh, screenwriter, director, uh, best known for perhaps The Pursuit of Happiness, The Weatherman, Secret uh, Life of Walter Mitty. He has the upcoming Patriot on Amazon. Uh, Thanks for being with us, Stephen. Yeah, thank you. Good morning. Maybe, I guess we'll start talking maybe just about the beginnings of your career. I I think I read you grew up in Florida, right? Yes. Yes. Uh, your brother is also an actor. Now, is that sort of, how did, how did you guys get into filmmaking, that kind of thing? Yeah, we were just simultaneously interested in, I guess, I don't act. Mm-hmm. He, he doesn't write. So our, our paths have crossed now and then. Uh, we are working together though on Patriot. It's really, it's been really uh, a complete treat to be able to see him every day and work with him every day. He's, he's really brilliant and talented and uh it's just delightful to see him do my do my thing it makes me feel like i have a real connection to him obviously we shared a room forever right i i know what he's capable of uh as a performer so i was able to write for these strengths that were there yeah and um, he's really delivered yeah and i mean obviously i've only seen the 
the pirate or the pilot to Patriot. Um, but it seems like he plays a pretty big role in the first episode. And does that kind of continue throughout the, the season? Yes. I, I love his character. But um, yeah, we'll get back to Patriot in a minute. Um, so you grew up in Florida and then you ended up uh, going to Northwestern, correct? Correct. And yeah. you sold your first screenplay at 19, did I read? No, I was. I think I was twenty or twenty. Oh, tw- it was, okay. It was yeah. It was just at the end of school. Still pretty good. Still pretty good. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that was wrestling. Yeah, I, well, I definitely didn't didn't have any idea what I was doing. I was <laughs> I, yeah, I was young enough to not have a clue. Yeah, sometimes that's great, right? Yeah, sometimes <laughs> it's the, just just the thing. Yeah, and that was uh, wrestling. Ernest Hemingway. I mean, right off the bat, you're working with Robert Duvall, Richard Harris, Shirley MacLaine, Sandra Bullock. I mean, what's that like for what a twenty? What did you say, twenty? Well, I was I was twenty one. Twenty one, I think. Old. It was that was my education and performing for the screen, which is uh, you know it's different than other forms of acting, uh, in in details that can add up to making all the difference. You know, just understanding how to perform for a camera. Uh, I, I was able to learn from just truly uh, brilliant and seasoned actors, and it's. It's uh, stood me very well. Like it, it's, I have confidence when I talk to actors now because the actors that I've worked with have uh, instilled in me the, the, their sense of methods, different methods, one from the other always. But the, mm-hmm. they've instilled in me a sense of a process that I can use with actors now to yeah. allow us to form that very important partnership. So I learned that uh, you know when I was a kid, and um, yeah. I don't know how. I don't know how acceptable to being taught I would have been if I were forty. You know, sure. ho- hopefully still open. But when I was when I was that when I was that age, my eyes were just wide open, and I kept my mouth shut and I learned as much as I could. And, <laughs> now, yeah. do you find yourself as a writer pretty uh, involved in? I mean, obviously, you've also directed. You know, the promotion and you're directing episodes of Patriot, right? Yes. Yeah. So, do you find yourself when you're not in the director's role, but more as a writer, do you find yourself still pretty active in the process and 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 talking to actors and on set and that yeah, kind of thing? Yeah, I'm generally allowed some space in that regard. The problem is, it's just it's at some point that's a one man job of steering the ship, right? Like the, yeah. you just you you're not able in that capacity to thoroughly influence the outcome of the production. You just can't. It's it's hard for a director to do that, in fact, to really be able to run a thing thoroughly with um, some confidence that all the important um, details are going to be executed in a way that allows them to add up. Mm-hmm. I, I'm able to access the actors for sure when I write. And generally, I spend a lot of time with the director and I have an involvement, mm-hmm. which is why I'm, I'm, I've uh, sagged into doing it myself. That, right. that important distance... It, it it can make all the difference in whether a piece works or not. And generally, yeah. for me, it's it's a it's a tone thing. The stuff that I write has ambitious tone. It, it tries to say and do an sure. awful lot. Keeping maintaining a consistent tone is it's tricky with my stuff, and it's hard to do secondhand for sure. Well, also, I mean, uh, you've done a lot of adaptations from you know, I mean, Secret Life of Walter Mitty. Pursuit of Happiness from a biography, and then upcoming, you know, you've got Wonder, um, New York Times bestseller. I, I'm I'm assuming that probably takes a lot of collaboration with the writer of of the original work, or, or the, well, pr- 
perhaps not James Thurber, but you know what I mean. No, um, no, but having to <laughs> just bearing in mind that you need to be respectful of that person's intentions and yeah, uh, the the uh, audience's former relationship with the material. Yeah, it's a big deal. It's it's tricky. It, I, all things being equal, I prefer to make things up, which is mm-hmm. I do that the other half of the time. I just make stuff up out yeah. of whole cloth. That's my preferred version of it. But uh, no, you're right. I, you've got to figure out a way to partner up with that existing material in an important way. You have to be brave enough to go your own way when you know the narrative just makes that demand on you. Because mm-hmm. well, the first midi movie, we we have a very scant relationship to that to that storyline. But the right. one thing we took seriously was just trying to be respectful of this idea that someone's uh, fantasy life is worth, is worth studying, uh, respecting, understanding, and uh, fascinating on for sure. So it's, it's always, it's always a, a different thing. And every movie's, every time you start another story that has a brand new set of obligations and rules. And- yeah. Those, um, kind of source materials are those things you were approached about writing or stuff that you connected with that then you kind of were reaching out to people to sort of get make these things happen yeah well in those cases yeah and midi wonder and uh, you know wonder i'm just one of of several writers on so i didn't have a a uh, my contribution to that piece was uh I guess in some details, you know, and I I ultimately wasn't the guy to tell the story from the beginning to the end. Gotcha. So that one, I guess, think I think a little differently about Uh, the other two. I was I was the only one to tackle them. So they, but they all came to me through the through the process through film film companies. Yeah, I mean, I I do develop stuff here Mm -hmm. in Chicago, uh, so I do that too. I get material and try to. Yeah. Try to see it through. Right. And you're Chicago based and you kind of always have been, correct? Since since Northwestern, right? Yeah. I, I've um, never left. I have to travel a lot for work. But sure. no, my, my office is here. My film partners are here. And I was able to stay home this year and make Patriots. Fantastic to be to be home for six months. Yeah. Um, yeah. So let's kind of talk about Patriot. Um one of the new Amazon pilots that, you know, you make a pilot and then they see how the audience responds, that kind of thing. And I, I personally, it's one of my favorite things I've watched this year. It's so original, oh, thank you. so interesting, thank you so much. funny, sweet. I mean, kind of gender, uh, not gender bending, genre bending. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Well, well, yeah. Thank you. That was our goal. So I appreciate that so much. I, it, it it is ultimately a, a suspense um, series, so we we pick a lane in that sense, and we and we really drive hard to to be suspenseful. Like we have crafted a, a story that puts that first. But the shows that mean the most to me are shows that have big personalities that can do say and do you know more than more than one thing. And uh, if you put it. In the service of creating suspense, the comedy can do that for you. Right. We have um, music is a, a vital uh, component of making Patriot work. So our songs that we use in the show are are there to help create suspense, and they're they're there to indicate to you in what manner the our our main character is uh, keeping his uh, his wits uh, about yeah. him. You know, his his marbles are in question. You know the, the guy, and he's he's 
been tasked with an awful lot to have to do at one time and just trying to keep himself together is one of the feats of the show and the songs are important indications of what he's dealing with right uh, can you kind of give uh, the audience a rundown of the description of patriot kind of what the the story is or yeah patriot is a it's a it's a suspense um thriller that uh, fascinates over this this political move in 2012 to influence the an election in iran and then it goes badly it goes badly immediately and then it uh, the efforts to to right the ship just create greater complications and problems so uh, patriot is a show about a plan gone bad and uh, and uh, about the efforts the good efforts to make something broken um fixed again and how that often makes things worse rather than and better so yeah. we've got a yeah we've got one, one one plot and we watch many many different characters uh play a role in whether that comes together or or falls apart yeah and michael dorman he's the kind of the main character here uh and he is this knock which is what what does knock stand for the long and short of that that office is it it's uh that stands for non-official cover and these intelligence officers are are men and women who have the cover of these day jobs that allow them to traffic to parts of the world that intelligence officers can't be tracked going in and out of. Like uh, they generally work in the oil business um, mm-hmm. or in through some global infrastructure business where they have a right to go be in these places and then can do their their real work, which is information gathering or uh, s- disseminating money that sort of things. But right. the, their employers often don't know that they, that they are knock agents and that they're expected to do these, these Actual really demanding jobs. Day jobs. Yeah. Yeah. So they've got to learn in short order, the intricacies of a pretty detailed work. And right. then they've got to save the energy to go and do their dangerous work later. This, it seems like uh, Michael, the, Michael Dorman's character here in the, in the first episode, he's, you know, kind of dealing with a little bit of trauma that he's dealt with, that he's, seen in his past and he uses folk he writes folk music to help soothe himself help help figure out what's going on in his mind and i mean it's funny because when i told people about the show i'm like it's like a you know operative uh show and suspense but it's also kind of musical because it's got this folk aspect and it's just kind of two aspects that you would never think would work together but it works so well and it's so (laughs) yeah thanks because that's that was the goal to try to pull off that bit of tricky business to try to make your your whatever private thoughts you have have something to say about your, the thing you do during the day. Like I, I wanted to be able to get inside of his mind to get a sense of how he feels about this this uh, stuff he has to do, which is, you know, uh, often can be unethical, at least to his way of measuring it can be unethical. Yeah. Um, I, I like when you can try to make that, that, that art form is just still being discovered, you know, in narrative filmmaking and to, to the coolest part about that job is that you don't have rules really like if, if you can make it believable to the audience or feel right mm-hmm. to the audience you can you can do anything and um we tried to explore that with patriot to yeah see what other components we could throw into a suspense show and have it add up to to greater suspense i got lucky in that michael can really sing yeah. um, that would have been a drag if we if that part of it wasn't up to snuff but it's um He's, he's good at it. Yeah. 
Um, another thing I love about the show is when I think about the pilot, I'm like, so much was packed into this pilot, but it doesn't feel like too much. You know, you have a really nice storyline of the family. You get that as- aspect, the knock stuff, the suspense, and just uh, and a kind of this underlying political drama, you know. Um, but you have such a good cast that plays, you know, his family, which is Terry O'Quinn, you know, John Locke from Lost. Michael Chernis plays his brother. Um, his wife is Kathleen Monroe. His boss is Kurtwood Smith, best known as the dad from that 70s show. I mean, it's just a real, and your brother is great as well, uh, kind of playing his co-worker. Talk talk to me just about casting and and that uh, ensemble and... Casting, I'm I'm often asked my opinion, but I don't have the final say. Mm -hmm. And in this, and in this case I did, and the, well, the, the, the actors you just mentioned have been among my favorite for a while and yeah, I had so the great. goal of working <laughs> with them too. And um, I was able to write with them in mind. Like I could write for Kurtwood who, who uh, plays John's boss. Yeah. I, I, I had a sense of how strong he was and I, it was, it was cool. And then Terry too, Terry's got his own set of powers, which are so different than Kurtwood's and they're all have, they all have different potency. Like they all do, they're all, as strong mm-hmm. as each other, but their strengths are just different. Like their right. their muscles are different. They can do different things for the show. So um, yeah. And yeah. is this is this is this actually your first time like writing for a series or I mean obviously helming creating? Yes. Yeah. So how's that? Yeah. How's that been as far as uh, just being in charge of that and you know writing a ten? How many episode? Ten, twelve. Ten. Ten. Ten episode arc and that kind of thing. Well, it's a full-time job, to, to say the <laughs> least. But writing, and I, I directed the lion's share of them, too. And mm-hmm. and then producing on TV, it's it's a little more hands-on than it is in features. And so it's a, it, it's, it's a busy day, for, for sure. But the uh, asset of that is you get to create an awful lot of film. Like, we, we will mm-hmm. have made this year 10, 10 hours of, of film, which, you know, that's that's all about what I've done in 25 years before that. <laughs> right. So that, that gets your energy up, that kind of access to to somebody's time. And yeah. when we started among these important partnerships you create, when you do this, your, your cast, your producers, your cinematographer and production designer, when, when you, we sit down and just decide what it is we're trying to accomplish. One of the, one of the refrains, uh, at our first set of meeting was always to, to bear in mind how much time you're asking of the audience to be, to, to make sure that you've, you accept this obligation that you're asking for 10 hours of another grown up's time. And mm-hmm. our time is, it, it, there's never enough of it. Yeah. So I love that challenge. I mean, it, it, it truly is a challenge though, to make things tight and work and line up and add up and, but it's, an awful lot of fun too to go and then have to well the pilot has there's stuff in there like the i guess the brazilian jiu-jitsu fight mm-hmm. that we're just kind of you cross your fingers and hope it works out because it's it's one camera shot generally and it takes a lot of <laughs> organization and orchestration and you just go gosh i hope this works because if this doesn't work there's no alternative to it we do that a lot on the show we we have scenes that work in 
highly sort of calibrated one camera shot detailed engineering where people have to be in this one place at the right time and uh-huh. that has been a tr- uh, tremendously rewarding challenge to everybody to try to do that on a tv time frame which is which is shorter than your average movie day like you're shooting well i mean it's a longer day but you're shooting greater amounts of material yeah you just fly, you have to fly through it so it's different in that in that regard but man I, I in this day and age the cinema is i don't know if it's in the cinema anymore it's it it it's on TV though, for sure. Yeah. Like that kind of, uh, ambition with your storytelling and your toolkits and where you can, how your characters can be slightly more complicated than just comic book, good and bad. It, it exists on TV now. So, yeah. uh, the, so the, the goal hasn't changed at all. There's, there's not a different goal in TV versus features, but the process is a little different. You got to go fast. You got to be right. prepared. And, Do you feel like, when you had this initial idea, like the seed of this idea, did you know that it was too epic of a, a, an idea to even be a, a film and, and it was initially a TV idea or? Oh yeah. This was, this was uh, always meant to be serialized like this, yeah. to be able to yeah have hour after hour after hour to compound the stress on this character and then to, uh, demonstrate just how elaborately messed up something simple can be right now i'm so nervous to watch the next episodes (laughs) oh yeah cool because even yeah no one one of our actors and a producer on the show gil bellows and i were Mm -hmm. i was just staying with him got our families together and he encouraged me this was like nine years ago to think about tv rather than features and it seemed like you, you know, you had a sense of which way the wind was blowing. So, so Gil and I actually just sat down and said, "How can we make? How does this work? Like, how can we bring a cinematic world to this, to this uh, new, slightly new art form? This, this serialized, tight, everything connects kind of watch three in a row versus watch one a week kind of landscape that we're in." And so, yes, no, we designed yeah. it for it to to be it to be delivered through this new through this new art form. Um, I kind of mentioned earlier too, uh, about this familial story, story that happens in Patriot. Um, obviously, obviously the two brothers are very close. Their relationship seems like a, a central point to, you know, getting out of this hole that they've dug themselves in or whatever. Um, I know you have brothers, it, it, I mean, what's your relationship with kind of that story? Uh, do you find it personal at all? Or oh yeah, I had a I had a charismatic father who he was just hard to deny anything to. He could he could convince you, rope you in uh, to anything. And you know that you're born with this. Obviously, it's it's hardwired into you to, to sort of. Be ready to put your dad's plan into, you know, effect. Like what your dad asked you to do when you're a kid, you generally mm-hmm. start to do it. So I wanted to, I wanted to investigate that, like that power that that person has over somebody else. The charismatic dad, the, Terry's character is, he's a he's a good man, and he, his job is massively complicated. And the other complication of his life is that he's he's somehow fallen into the 
the process of asking his son to do a lot of heavy lifting. And the show, the show wonders what will happen if you stop asking your kid if he can carry the, the weight, right? If, you, if you take that person for granted and you stop checking in to see if they can keep doing this hard stuff, like what happens then to that he, he is not, he's not um, consciously taking advantage of, of his son, but nevertheless, he does have this advantage of his son taking the bullets and doing the mm-hmm. hard work. and Both of uh, them, really. So, yeah, but, but that's a very common thing in families. Like you, yeah. you, it doesn't have to just be in this world of, uh, you know, suspense, the suspense thriller. It, that's a part of everybody's life is you right. have this devotion to your, to your parents. And at what point, does that start to do harm to, to you that unquestioning I will, I, I, you know, I must, I live in a world where this person sits at the head of the table and this, that when you get to be 30, you start to work out, you know, any somewhere around there, you start to just work out who you are versus uh-huh. who they made, you know? And then, so, so our, one of our journeys in this show is just watching John, this kid start to separate from that, like start to, earn his the the authorship of his own life yeah it's so yeah so in that sense the show is is highly about families yeah and you know the brother is going to pick one or the other at some point who who is he gonna who's he gonna devote himself to who who, in whose best interest is is uh michael chernis's character going to start to to operate right. so yeah we really we get into that but yeah uh, like i mentioned at the beginning it's not the waltons or it, no, it's not no. a <laughs> it's not a family show it's a it's a suspense show so all of this is just texture that tightens up or unsettles the stability of the suspense part of the show like we we only write about families if we can make it add up to suspense one way or another Right. And, and, and it does, so, the pilot does so well, you know, and it's, it's, it's hard for me to even separate those things because the action is so great. And I, and also I don't really want to spoil it. I suggest everyone goes out and watches the pilot right now. Oh, cool. Thanks. Um, well, cool. Thank you so much for doing this. Um, no, thank you for your interest. I appreciate it so much. Yeah. 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 Uh, and February 24th on Amazon, watch Patriot. It's, right. it's great. Cool. Okay. Thanks a good. Lot, thank you. Nice. Nice talking to you. Thanks. Ha 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 There's another one, Maya. Scared. Another, another episode. <laughs> Congratulations. Good work. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, do you have anything to say to me? Good job, Evan. Thank you. Did you. It. Thank you. I, I I always need congratulations afterwards yep you do (laughs) (laughs) well maya just so you know for the for the record uh billy's mole wasn't that bad i think he'll be okay great but uh i i mean i guess for concerned listeners billy feel free if you're listening i mean i would hope you're listening uh post it on our facebook wall picture of it if you'd like and you know (laughs) then listeners can have an opinion too (laughs) (laughs) no uh all right well that's that and speaking of speaking of social media uh you can find all of our our links and information on at pilotcopilots.com yeah that's without a hyphen all of our links uh don't forget to also subscribe and tell your friends 
Yeah. Uh, Pilot Co-Pilots is produced by Van Watkins and Maya Boudreaux. And thanks again to Chris Ryan for our wonderful theme music. We still love it. Thanks again for listening. And here it is. Yeah. <laughs>